Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another Minutes with Mute here as we are gearing up on September uh, 10th, week three, uh, and BC 2-0 wins over Virginia Tech and then over the Richmond Spiders. Uh, Richmond is in the, you know, the, the formerly the D1 AA. I forget the, the championship division, I think it's called now. But first of all, Scott, uh, Scott Mutual joins us. He's the BC IMG sideline reporter. Uh, Learfield Sports as well. I got to throw that in there. But Scott, just your general thoughts of the Richmond game. Yeah, it was pretty much take care of business for, for Boston College. The offensive line did their job of controlling the line of scrimmage and providing some significant holes in the running game for David Bailey and A.J. Dillon and providing time for Anthony Brown to throw you know for three touchdowns. Uh, defensively, there were a couple breakdowns early in the game, but they were still able to get 12 tackles for a loss and two interceptions. So uh, with that performance, you have to be happy for that. And then to get out of there without having any injuries are, are two positives for Boston College and business was taken care of and got some people every – you know, everyone that was dressed that wasn't injured, I believe, got some game reps on uh, Saturday. So that's great for them. And, and at least uh, 25 guys made a tackle for, for BC. I think it may have been 28 guys registered a tackle. So that just goes to show you that a lot of guys got their jerseys dirty. BC won officially, by the way, 45-13 to 13 over Richmond. And, you know, we talked a little bit before, Scott. I, in my opinion, I really don't – I think the time has come and gone for these games uh, the pay game, I think BC paid Richmond 400000 for the game. Uh, BC smokes them. They get the win. It's on your path to six wins and bowl eligibility. You know, I really wish they would play at the same level. Uh, the f- and football bowl subdivision, the Power 5, Power 6, whatever you want to call it, with the American, and play at that level throughout the season. Just want to get your thoughts generally on these games like Richmond. It's an interesting you know, development is how it came about. Uh, and it, it really came a lot more after I was done in the late 90s because if you, if you look at the schedule, a perfect example of this is 1995 non-conference games for Boston College. Now, I know I'm dating myself going back almost 25 years or 30 years, excuse me, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> 20, 20, no, 25 years, yeah. 25, 20, 25 at this point doesn't matter. But you look at that season and you open up with the kickoff classic against Ohio State. Then you go to play Virginia Tech on the road on Thursday. And then you have Michigan and Michigan State on your schedule. I mean, yeah, that's those, are, those are four brutal games. Now, granted, BC, we went 4 and 7 or 4 and 8 that year and didn't make a bowl game. But every one of those teams we played were, were, were quality opponents or they were conference opponents. So it changed afterwards because the, the race to get bowl eligibility means so much more than just the, the bowl gear that you get. You get the, the conference money that you get from doing that, and, and then you get the extra practices that helps your team develop. So that helps build – stability in your program it helps build depth in your program it helps gain experience for guys so uh 
I think that although a lot of people want that to end, I think the way that just the scheduling works now in the NCAA, that unless something changes, you're not going to see that. You're going to see at least one, if not two of those games on everyone's schedule a year. And let's be honest, if you're some teams out there, if you want to play a Power 5 team, uh, do you really want to risk that loss if you're kind of teetering on that eight and five, seven and six record? And sometimes you don't want to also subject your team to any much to so much more wear and tear. And then now you look at the whole new eligibility rule where you're able to play four games. Like that changes a whole lot of things. It gives guys game experience about losing eligibility and to have those games against those opponents actually helps your, your program as well. So as much as everyone wants to play, I don't know if you're going to see it. And plus, if you look, even if you're an SEC team, let's just throw Florida out there, for example, just just for, for giggles, right? Even if Florida may be more talented and, and they may end up beating BC or it's a close game or BC ends up winning, Two things happen from that. Either the SEC or Florida gets, you know, you're supposed to win that game and you lose, or, you know, they win and it's a physical game that takes a lot out of their team that maybe some injuries happen or beats them up for the next week's game, which may be an important conference game, which matters way more than your independent schedule. So the the losses highly outweigh the uh, benefits so, B.C., this is one more question. I always like to get your your take as a former quarterback. Scott, how did you rate Anthony Brown against Richmond? Uh, I was a little surprised he stayed in the game as long as he did, but your thoughts overall, Anthony Brown, the QB position, uh, week two? Well, I mean, he only threw 14 or 15 passes, and the majority of those were early. I mean, if you think about it, in that first series, the first series, I think he mechanically was a little bit off. They start out, Kobe White makes a nice catch on third down to extend a drive, and literally in the next play, Zay Flowers takes it to the house for a touchdown. So uh, sometimes his, his release, I think, gets a little off. I, I, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, he still has that ability. He throws such a beautiful deep ball that he really allows his receivers a chance to go up and get it and hitting Jake Burt down the seam for one, and then, you know, a nice pass to A.J. Dillon, who was able to tiptoe the sideline and take it to the house. Like, if you, you know, maximize your receiver's ability to catch the ball and run with it afterwards, you're going to put up some big numbers, uh, yards per catch. And he's thrown, I think, three touchdowns over 50 yards this year. So he he has the ability to do it. I think he really needs to keep improving at that intermediate and, and short passing game. And if he can, you know, really develop in, in that area, then he's going to be that complete quarterback because we haven't even seen – him besides one run against Virginia Tech used his legs that much so there's still a lot of room to grow for him he's, he's done what he's had to do and has put up you know some good numbers in, in his first two games his rating is you know off the charts he's definitely he's done well and I, I think he did what he had to do against Rich, uh, Richmond it wasn't you know as smooth as maybe Virginia Tech was but he, he's still trending in the right direction he needs to keep that going this week against Kansas and then uh, especially when they take it on the road the week after. Yeah, and that's a great segue. Next question. We talked about in week one when the minutes would mute, how this schedule really, they get through Virginia Tech, this schedule really plays out nicely. The first four games were being seen. It is shaping up nicely. Uh, Kansas lost 12-7 to Coastal Carolina. I mean, that's, that's an embarrassing loss for them, no question about it. And Rutgers, who we play next week, 
got smoked by Iowa, 30 to nothing. So it's a short week, Friday night game, but then you get a long week for Rutgers next week. I have to think these two next weeks, I mean, you want to you wanna be coming 4-0 and ready to go there, Scott. I mean, that's the plan, but you can't get to 4-0 until you get to 3-0, and you don't want to be overlooking any opponent no matter what. And I say this a lot to, to people when I talk to them, and I you know, put it sometimes on, on my Twitter uh, feed, is that you're never as good as you are the week before, and you're never as bad as you are. And you have to constantly uh, block out the noise of people telling you how great you are and how much you suck. I mean, there's a there's a fine line between that, but you can't get complacent. You constantly have to look to, to improve and get better. And if you do that and you have good leadership within your locker room, then you're going to stay on track. So that locker room's focused on beating Kansas. At least that's what they should be. It's a Friday night game, which I think helps. I think it would be more chance of a letdown game if it was like a Saturday 12 o'clock game because it's just a whole hum sort of thing. But I think the stadium will have some, some juice and some energy being a night game and on a Friday night and you're, you know, national, it's on the ACC network, but it's, you know, primetime billing sort of thing. So that's good. Um, and I think they're going to be ready to go. And the good thing is, is next week against Rutgers, you say that, oh, you know, they lost 30 to nothing, but there's a lot of pride in that program. They're, Chris Ash, their coach, is, is, you know, holding on to his job and he's, they're on a bye week this week. So they're gearing up for Boston College big time. The good thing for BC is is that you got so many Jersey guys on this team, and the pride from that state in being from Jersey and representing New Jersey and playing well in Jersey is going to be a huge factor for them. I think if it was more of a, like a no name sort of place, you might be a little worried. But the fact that you know these guys are going to have a ton of family and friends there, I, I would hate to see the locker room for guys asking for their comp tickets because. There's going to be a lot of Jersey guys fighting for tickets so their relatives can come. But these guys are going to want to put up their best foot forward in that game. But the only way they get to that game is if they take care of business this Friday night. Yep, no question about it. I remember last year, too. You know, there was a lot of hype going to Purdue and on the road. That was a tougher game, but uh, BC got dominated against Purdue early on, and that pushed them out of the top 25. Yeah, and, you know, they saw that Purdue was 0-3 at the time. Uh, they had some tough losses. Maybe they saw some things that, well, they're, they're Purdue. Maybe we don't have to be prepared as much. And Purdue really put it on them. And I think that that will be a good lesson for a lot of the, the seniors or upperclassmen to remember that, hey, guys, remember when we thought we were really good when we went into Purdue? Well, <laughs> especially Anthony Brown because he, he had a couple great games. He had a great game against Wake Forest that year, last year. And then he really came and threw a clunker up against Purdue. So – he seems to have matured and, and is growing into his role. I, I think that that's an experience, a valuable learning experience for him, that he's going to really – he's going to have taken something from it and, and get something positive from it. And I'm really anxious to see, you know, that, that big road start against Rutgers, but, you know, very anxious to see how they're handling success this week. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. 
Com. And then not to look too far ahead, but the schedule gets much, much, much tougher second half of the year. So these are games where you really want to compound the Ws and just get going. Uh, all right, Scott, uh, wait, wait, what do we know about Kansas? So looking ahead to them in the last couple of minutes we have, well, what could the Jayhawks expect? It's a team we don't normally see in Chestnut Hill uh, coming from the Big 12. Yeah, it's a power, you know, power five conference team. They're rebuilding again for the, I think the, the fourth time in the last six years. They've, over the last five years, they've only won a total of six games in the last five years, I believe. And Les Miles was brought in to bring this program back from pretty much the dead because they they're they're struggling. They got a really talented run, running back in Puka Williams who uh, had a lot of positive plays last year. He was suspended for their first game, but played against Coastal, and I think he had 99 yards rushing. He's a, he's a dynamic player. Their quarterback, Stanley, is uh, he's been okay. He led them on a last-minute drive in their opening week to get to get their uh, first win of the season. But uh, they, they haven't put up a ton of points on offense. I think they have a ways to go. They're going to be ready. They're going to be tough because Les Miles is a is that type of coach. He's a former SEC coach. He's a Michigan guy, so he's he only knows one way to prepare. And I think he doesn't want his team or him to be embarrassed on on national television. So he's gonna he's gonna be ready to have his guys going defensively. They you know they they haven't really given up a ton of points these first two games, so that could be a concern. I, I do I do think there is a difference because Kansas. Being from that Big 12, you see a lot of offenses run, you know, the, the RPO stuff where there's a lot of passing, there's a lot of points put on. It's almost like seven and seven clinics. So at Kansas, you've recruited to stop offenses that play that style, and BC style is not that way. BC's very, you know, downhill, straight in your face kind of offense. So I'm, I'm interested to see physically if Kansas is going to be able to hold up with enough guys at the point of attack to stop A.J. Dillon and the uh, B.C. running attack. Yeah, that's going to be interesting as well, too. And um, what, what do you think of the whole Les Miles? You mentioned it briefly, going from LSU to Kansas. Um, you know, at least in that part of the same region of the country. But just, you know, talk about just totally different. You know, a football school versus a basketball school. or Just a whole different atmosphere. Yeah, it's just it talks about a guy who was out of the game for a little while that wanted to get back into coaching and wanted the challenge and loved being in the locker room. And, you know, when you played and you've been in that locker room or coached, there's nothing quite like that feeling and the camaraderie that comes within those walls. So I don't fault anyone for coming back to try and do that. I think he really wanted to coach. I think it was a good opportunity for him to come back. You could say the same thing about Mac Brown and look what he's doing in North Carolina. They're two and zero with a big win over Miami at home. So you you're, you're a coach once, you're always a coach, I think. I think a lot of coaches would say that to them. They'll, they'll never stop being a coach. But he's got some, some some work to do there that the program has, you know, gone through some issues, and they've struggled in the past, uh, you know, as, as documented in the last couple of years. But there's actually a pretty cool thing on ESPN Plus that you can – you can watch and get an idea. It's, I would say for BC fans, you get an idea what this program's about. It's, uh, I think it's, it's like the the road less travel or something. The road, the hard road ahead. It's it's something on ESPN Plus, but it, it's basically cameras following Les Miles 
and it's, it gives you a good education about what's going on in that program and just how far they have fallen from when they went to the Orange Bowl, you know, 10 years ago to where they're at right now. And it's, I think it's something that will help, you know, BC fans get a better perspective of, of what's really going on there. Yeah. Remember Mark Mangino. I think he's out of the game right now. The Kansas former yeah. head coach in 07. Mangino's. <laughs> It was quite. That was a. That was quite a team they had, and that matched up well with you know that was the Matt Ryan era at BC. So they were kind of competing in a way uh, for the top ten slots of college football back in that that era in uh, two thousand seven. Yeah, they definitely got cool jerseys too. I mean, with the with the Jayhawk on the helmets, it's, it's actually pretty cool. So you know they got that going for them, which is nice. Uh, so that's. That's uh, that's uh, the colors and stuff go go well with them. So, but it'll it'll be nice to have them out and play on Friday night. Hopefully, the crowd's going to be all all charged up. I don't know if have you been back if you've been back to any of the games. The the atmosphere. I know the uh, uh, Martin German uh, has done a great job um, diversifying the beer selection, so that you don't even need to stay at the tailgate to get in early and get yourself some choice beverages. There's some like seltzers too there's a, a bevy of reasons to be in the stadium time to watch this friday night game so if you so the question is then if you aren't working scott what would you be drinking in the stands what's your beverage of choice if you were in a bc super fan section um so you know i'm usually pretty simple in my taste so i would be some american domestic beer i'm probably a bud or a bud light Bud light all right um, <laughs> But I'm in the middle of a body transformation right now. I don't want to call it a diet because it's not that. I enjoyed the summer and probably put on a little too much weight. So I need to – I have a goal to get back to a certain weight. I'm not sharing that until I get there because I don't want to know how far I've fallen, <laughs> nor do I want to, uh, you know, divulge how far I have to go. So uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's a change. I've made some sacrifices. It was a fun journey to get to that weight. I enjoyed the whole ride getting up to the weight I'm at. Uh, but I got another, you know, you know, month or so that I got to uh, tighten the reins and keep it tight. So that's going to keep me out of the, uh, the celebrating festivities. That's going to be great. That's going to be right before the holidays too, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I'm going to show some discipline because, you know, that's what you have to do. If it's easy, everybody could do it, Mikey. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're going to watch that Scott transformation this fall. Another Minutes with Mute. Scott Mutrin joins us, gearing up Kansas. a short week. I'm going to get this podcast out quick for us, and uh, we'll be back to see you next week, hopefully BC 3-0. and Yeah, absolutely. And you can uh, visually follow the uh, the body transformation on, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can see on my handle, smute1214, and then yeah, on Facebook, uh, Scott Mutrin QB. I put some videos out. I've been doing that uh, this year on Instagram as well. Um, I have the same handle for Twitter. It's mute1214. I put on, uh, try to put on some pregame videos and then recapping each quarter and then the end of the game. So please uh, feel free to look at those and critique everybody you know loves to tell me i cut my head off in the videos and i said it's only instagram so i'm getting better at it any feedback anybody has and hopefully people like them and uh you don't take a look at them there you go you're everywhere you're everywhere this fall all right scott something like that (laughs) thanks so much appreciate it chestnut hill technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the boston area and owned by bc alum 
CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.